As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Marky Mark, Markster, Count Markula, in the studio, D&D related chats, maybe some other stuff, stay tuned. That's actually why they call me Murky Nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> You're just such a... Uh, uh, You've thrown Jack off of his, yeah, I know. his intro. <laughs> I'm just going to say, it's uh, Mark, you're one of those guys that I want to give you a nickname. Yeah. Like, I, 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 as someone who lives by a nickname, essentially, who hates being called nicknames and using people's nicknames, like people shorten their name, it drives me crazy. You can't shorten Mark. It's one syllable. It's perfect. <laughs> but it's almost too short. It's like yeah, no, you I need agree. to do something else. When I moved to Guelph, I went by Marcel, but I knew people from my high school went to the U, U of G with me and were like, that's not your name. <laughs> Marcel? Yeah. Like a mime? Yeah, like a mime. <laughs> or Mar- wasn't he the famous actor? Or I'm thinking, like, who? No, I'm thinking, like, wasn't there, like, the Stanislav t- acting technique, which is, like, the method acting, and then there's other stuff, too? Maybe. Marcel. Okay. That well. sounds right. <laughs> it sounds like something that might be right. <laughs> How about Marcello? Marcello, yeah, that's a relatively new one since I met Joel. I like it. Uh, Have I, you met Joel? <laughs> I've met Joel. He's, a, he's an okay guy. He's all right. Android's Dungeon, that's what you're listening to. CFRU, 93.3 FM, broadcasting the University of Guelph. You can listen to us online, CFRU.ca, or go to our podcast websites, which are all of them, except the bad ones. That's true. No bad websites. No bad websites. (laughs) Check us out on Spotify. (laughs) We should get a Patreon just just in case somebody wants to give us money. I'm too depressed. If I looked at an empty Patreon, it'd just be (laughs) maybe. What about a PayPal? That way, (laughs) we don't even have anything like to do with the money. We just like you just give it to Patreon to support us. So if you want to support Mark Hines, donate to the Androids Dungeon patreon that doesn't exist yeah exactly or just give me a tenor or something if you see me on the street <laughs> yeah jack's my campaign manager so <laughs> all the funds should go to him to prevent any like mueller kind of thing going on uh in case you haven't figured it out yet android dungeon is a show about games music movies people who play them people who get played by them show uh, about mark Hines. what show about mark Hines. occasionally yeah when i'm on the show i hope you guys don't talk about me when i'm on the air i don't listen if i'm not on the air (laughs) (laughs) that sums up most of the guest appearances every time mark comes on the show i add him to common board game club (laughs) and at him that he's in the show and then he immediately leaves (laughs) (laughs) hey you know at least he was there for a second yeah it's like when joel invited me to megasave i'm like oh absolutely not but thanks for the invite (laughs) hey it's just nice to be you know thought of yeah Mark, what have you been playing recently? Uh, well, as I mentioned before the show, I reinstalled Elder Scrolls Oblivion last night when I Elder couldn't Scrolls sleep Oblivion. and played it until sunrise. It's not as bad as I remember it being, but I think a lot of that is just because I have a better computer these days. Um, <laughs> other than that, I'm still playing through Odyssey. It's a heck of a time sink. Odyssey? Assassin's Creed? Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, yeah. It's hmm. it's fun. It's uh, I haven't played an Assassin's Creed since uh, Black Flag, and this one's a lot like Black Flag. You get your little trireme to fly yeah. or to uh, fly uh to sail around you got your your uh, sailors singing your songs in greek about something i assume i don't speak greek um other than that uh that's about it i've been playing those two uh city skylines just came out with a relatively new dlc the industries one that makes it a little bit more instead of just plopping down zones you have to do like a supply and demand kind of thing have you played in the skylines games joel I played Cities XXL. Yeah, I think that's made which, by a different company, right? Yeah. Oh, it's not the same game? No. Not the same game, but came out at exactly the same time or like a week later. Okay, can we agree that's confusing? It's very <laughs> confusing. So the City Skylines is made by the guys that did Cities in Motion, which was just a public transit simulator, Okay. which which is great if you're really into that. But if you want to actually build the city, it's not very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cities XL is this piece of garbage that somebody put out <laughs> oh, damn. where they were trying really hard to be SimCity, but they wanted to make it as, like, the learning curve is a mountain. 
Really? Um, it's basically like a, a job in civics. Yeah. If you are already you a city city planner <laughs> and you just want to design That's why is it city. like every aspect of is it like Stellaris or Crusader Kings level of it's like I'm going to everything I can modify can be modified. Yeah, what color shirt is your citizen in the third house wearing? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. But we're not going to tell you how to change it. Oh, well, that's important. Um <laughs> Oh, and I've also been playing Crusader Kings and Stellaris, because <laughs> um, why, why stop? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you, you sunk all this time into it. You got good at exactly. it. Exactly. It's The Skylines games have always been one of those ones that you see somebody when they post pictures of, like, look how beautiful my city looks. You go, wow, that's lovely. I'd love to do that. And it took them, point. like, 60 hours to get there. Yeah, they never tell you how long it took and how difficult yeah. it is. Versus or how many times they went broke. Yeah, exactly. Or they just did they just run the cheats? I do love SimCity games, though. It's cozy. I I maintain that Monopoly Tycoon free in the cereal box (laughs) was still the best one. I don't know. Have you talked to Mark about Monopoly Tycoon before? You ever played it? Nope. Came in, I think it was a box of Cheerios, maybe multi Back when you were getting the CD-ROMs and all those, yeah. What's your favorite type of Cheerios? My favorite type of Cheerios? I like multi-grain because it's still got a little bit of sweetness to Mm. it. I like Honey Nut. Honey Nut's decent, yeah. That's yeah, like, like a nice back. like childhood cereal. What do you, how do you guys feel about the apple? I don't know if I've ever it's had tasty. the apple. The mm. apple cinnamon Not cheerio. bad apple cinnamon. Isn't that just mm. apple jacks? No. <laughs> well, very apple big jacks difference. are bigger. <laughs> <laughs> they're also apple jacks. Don't they have like the green? kind of the fruit loopy kind of texture to them? Yeah. Like they're, yeah, pu- yeah, they're, they're puffed up like the extruded sort of uh, corn. Uh, I'm old now and only eat all brands. I haven't had cereal in forever to be honest. It reminds me I need to get some. Takes me back. We'll get some after the show. <laughs> Just get some cereal. It's pretty wholesome. <laughs> some cereal, some Balkan yogurt, and some blueberries. Good yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Joel, what have you been playing recently? Uh, same as you, I think. Uh, the Tyrants of Underdark is the new game of the week, I think. Well, this will actually, this is going to tie in nicely to the the, the second half of the show, or the we'll, we'll describe <laughs> it as our feature of D&D. Yeah. The headline. Yeah, so the it headline. is a D&D game. It's made by Wizards of the Coast. And it is basically you are a drow house fighting against other drow houses for the control of Underdark, Hold which on. is apparently a place that people want to live. Just had an idea for a, drows maybe. a, a goth <laughs> D&D band, Drow House. Drow House. Drow house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it. that one. I like Count, that one a lot. Count Strahd is dead is their hit. <laughs> Anyway, that's just my bit there. Uh, That does sound pretty cool, though. Yeah, so it does sound pretty cool. (laughs) So describe it, though, because the little bit I played, I didn't didn't mind what I saw of the game. Although I came in three quarters of the way through the game when Harry had to leave, and I basically tagged out, and then I started playing. Okay, well, it's a deck builder with all the aspects of a deck builder you might expect, except for any interaction with your deck or discard, except for draw a card. So, you know, Dominion-esque, I guess, except there's no buy limits, anything like that. So it's a deck builder with a board state, which you're seeing a lot. And I know Jack loves deck builder with a board state, and I'm for it, too. Uh, we also played Clank in Space, which maybe I'll leave to, to we'll Jack. Get back, but, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, there's plenty of them out there. I think probably the best one that I've played lately was Quest for Eldorado, which is more of a board state with a, with a hint of deck builder in it. Mm. Uh, because buying cards is a more or less optional, and b uh, you're only limited to one <coughs> per turn. So most of the thing you're just using your cards to move across the map. But anyway, back to tyrants. Um, I thought it was okay. I thought that the deck builder was pretty bad, and that the board state was pretty good. What didn't you like about the deck building side of it, though? Um, just the balance of the cards, more or less. Just some cards seemed objective. Ob- objectively worse than others there were some that just stayed on the lineup because nobody wanted them Mm -hmm. now we're new to the game so there is a possibility that we just didn't know how good those cards could be but when you see something just sit there for for five ten turns and then get destroyed by one of your abilities or something Mm -hmm. uh you got to think maybe they could have done some better uh pricing or something like that Mm -hmm. and then on top of that i'm still not sold on having cards that allow you to buy cards combined with cards that allow you to change the board state and you having to choose between the two functions and then hope that when you draw your cards you get either the ones that sync up with buying or the ones that sync up with uh, changing the board state and not just uh, a loose conglomeration of both which kind of gets you nowhere. Mm. The the first thing I saw when I was looking at it was just if the freedom of it was ridiculous because something like, let's say, Dominion, where you have to really plan your, your turns. Because have you played Dominion, Mark? Yeah. 
So you, you know, like right away, it's like your actions are limited mm-hmm. and you have to build a deck around it. And Dominion's kind of like the, it's dry as hell and love it or hate it, it is the, the deck builder that you got to kind of put yourself up against first and then you kind of branch off into different directions. But when you started playing, my first thing I thought of when I started playing the Tyrants of the Underdark was that you're looking at it and all of a sudden your hand, you're doing 20 things on your turn. Where you, you're mm. okay, all these actions I can use to buy stuff sometimes. Like, you have the option to pick between usually, do you want a lot of money or maybe no money, but you do something else here. But every card you use to do something. So it becomes, there's no reason not to play every card in your hand mm-hmm. for first off. And you just end up with this kind of this, I guess, the shotgun approach to the board game with the cards that it, it doesn't feel very refined when maybe I'm looking for something a little tighter with what your actions are per turn. Like, let's say okay. Valley of the Kings, for example, where you have the cards and you can either do their wicked ability or you could use them for their buy power. Yeah. And I, pr- I prefer the tense choice between that as opposed to just, I'm doing everything and it feels yeah. fun to me. And we haven't yet described actually what the me. game is. <laughs> um, so the game is, uh, you got a board, which is the map of Underdark and each, I don't know, city or region or whatever has a, a control section which have a certain amount of dots and you <coughs> control the the section by having your more of your soldiers than anyone else in those dots mm-hmm. uh, you can kill enemy dots you can put your own dots down and that's all done by playing the cards in the deck builder and then other cards in the deck builder also give you purchasing power to buy new cards which will then get shuffled into your discard and into your deck and then back into your hand now the thing is, is that the corners and the middle have little circular regions yeah. and those if you control you get like a token and that token gives you a um, purchase power every turn and also if you total control if you have only your all of your minions on every single spot then you also get a victory point every turn the rest of the regions are just victory points at the end of the game so why focus on them till the end i don't know mm. It almost seems like you want to be setting up your turns for the end. Like you, as soon as you start to see, because the game ends. Was there a secondary end condition, or was it just when the deck's gone? Deck's gone, or uh, somebody has all placed all in. of their soldiers. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like when you see somebody about to end the game, it's like, all right, oh, now I got to scramble and yeah. go for these middle places to get control because fighting over that stuff in the early game seemed pointless. But yeah. the the other stuff there on the side kind of felt cool to have the control over them, but it, it seems so fleeting because it was such a like a push and pull in the sense of like, okay, I do this, but anyone can theoretically screw with me on this section of the board with the right sort of combination of cards or if they're positioned such a way. So it's like the best you can hope for is holding onto it for the end of your turn and yeah. getting that victory point and then maybe having the control so you can have like the partial control of it. But Yeah, but I think, Jack, I think you kind of nailed the... the <coughs> my, main, my main problem with the game in when you were saying Dominion is tight and you have two choices, and in this game you felt like a shotgun approach where you could do anything. Uh, the fact that they threw in the spies where you could do yeah. throw a spy anywhere, <laughs> take a spy away, get a power, throw a spy anywhere, it stops people, uh, and then they're adding. They threw everything at the game, and mm-hmm. I think that's just it's just too many options, and it's it makes it too complex and and it, not as fun. Is there any difference between the houses you play as? No. Okay, that's a little... Don't they have different starting decks, though? Or is no, it to... we so all start with the same. They were identical. Yeah. So what's the point of... Anyway. <laughs> um, it seems to kind of silly to have... If you're going to have different... Because like, you have different colors. Yeah. But you just just, <laughs> just colors then at that point, right? Like, uh, one of the things I liked about DC deck building is each hero... You, DC. You kind of had to... You approach the game a bit differently. Like, if you're Black Canary, you go yeah. all for villains. And that's the thing. Jack's not a huge fan of DC, but I will still maintain that when I hold all these other deck builders up and t- up to DC deck builder, mm-hmm. they don't even come close. Yeah, it's I'm still a big by fan far the best deck builder out there, and mm-hmm. it's most well balanced. Cryptozoic <laughs> has done an amazing Wrong. job. <laughs> the only downside to, to DC deck building that I have is that it got me into Magic the Gathering. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it was a gateway like drug. Halfway through each turn, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is this is Sonic Siren. <laughs> so I've got mana. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Tyrants of the Underdark, I think we can all agree, is that it's an interesting idea, and it does some things in a way that I don't actively hate, but it also seemed long, too. That Mm. was the part that got me as well. It went almost three hours. And that was, like, you have to subtract some, like, learning uh, Mm. kerfuffles and the fact it was a four-player game, and some of these games, I don't know if they're best played at some of these higher counts, like, often can feel a little chaotic, and the board appears to... um, slice nicely depending on your player count so maybe it can turn into more of an interesting push and pull but to me maybe it's like a three player game and after f4 it just turns into a bit of a mm. like 
could be bit of chaos. Yeah. It's funny because all the other like underdark themed Dungeons and Dragons things I can think of are also confusing and too big. Well, yeah, that's it. These, these... I've heard that the actual <clears throat> campaign too. Yeah, so the with the campaign, I think it's out of the abyss, and you spend the first half getting to the underdark. You do mm-hmm. a thing there, and then you spend the other half getting out, and it takes way too long. Huh. Well, that's it too. The there's so with, we can almost use this as like the the launching pad of other things. But there's all these D and D games. Mm-hmm. It's not just Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. You have. Um, let's say Tyrants of the Underdark, for example, and then you have Lords of Waterdeep. Lords of Waterdeep, which is the Shadow of the game. Ravenloft, I think, is the other one. Uh, no. Which one's that one? Uh, it's the other one that Curtis has. Oh, that that's used the figurines. For. Well, I was gonna say, yeah. So the ra- the, sh- the Ravenloft, and then there's another one that's uh, like I think Legends of Dritz or mm-hmm. whatever. And those are like the kind of the the dungeon crawler D and D type games that seem very popular. But they're I think I've learned I played the Legend of Dritz once. And I remember sitting there just going, oh, my God, this game is, they've put everything into this, and it is a nightmare to learn. There are a million bloody mm-hmm. tokens. But I think it's meant to be modular, and maybe once you get, like, it'd be like opening up Gloomhaven and freaking out because yeah. it's like there's everything in there. It's like as soon as you figure it out, it's fine. But these D&D games, I don't think I've ever felt the compulsion to play one it, because it just seems like there are always options that seem better or that someone mm-hmm. I'd rather play than... This, or you could yeah. just play Dungeons and Dragons, and that's it. It's like so. I, I, maybe it's for people that love the D and D universe, or maybe they're they're accustomed to it. Or there's a lot of them are also it? wizards games, so maybe yeah. they're trying to take everything and all the options that you've got in Magic, and then take all the theme that you've got in D and D and try to mash it together. Mm-hmm. And they're doing each of these games is it like we've, this is a deck builder. Waterdeep's a worker placement. <clears throat> uh, the other one you're talking about, I think, is more of an adventure type. Uh, yeah. So. They're trying to do other genres that they're not really comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, it's Wizards of the Coast trying to make as much money as possible. It's and succeeding. New. Yeah, and sure. succeeding. Absolutely. 70-something dollars for this Those game? Ga- the games are expensive, and I'm not going to... As far as content goes, it looks like it's loaded. Like, there yeah. are tons of mm-hmm. things in there. 70 bucks seems a little high, maybe, for what it actually is, but uh, I don't know. The second game, because while we're on the subject of the deck builder stuff with board states... The, we got to learn Clank. Clank in space. Clank. Mark? Never heard of it. In space. space. Was that the... F- did that come from either Muppets or was it History it's, of the World? Uh, it's Mel Brooks History of the World. The Jews, Jews in space. space. Yeah. Was that the first one, though? Because I always knew there was a Miss Piggy thing. Or like, Muppets in yeah, space. A, but was that the parody maybe of it? it I think it's a parody of it, yeah. yeah. I think Muppets, sure. they're always... Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, Clank in space. Sequel to Clank, which is an extremely popular deck builder game. And on the surface, yep. um, it seems like everything you should that should be taking out these boxes for because you've got it's deck builder, but you've got the board and you're moving, so you have to move your guy around. And in this one, at least, I haven't played the original. I know Harry Hall, friend of the show, is extreme fan of Clank, at least. Yep. And this one, it's uh, according to Joel, it's kind of we'll get to this in a second, but it supposedly fixes some of the issues it had in the, the first iteration. So all the players are on a spaceship. And you have to get to, kind of looks like the ops or command deck, grab an artifact, and then get to the escape pods. And the whole time you're doing this, the gimmick about Clank is that when you're moving, what happens is there are things that cause you to make Clanks, or which means you take one of your color cubes and you put it into a section of the board. And when something triggers, everyone scoops up all their color cubes, throws them into a bag, you shake them up, and then you pull out X amount of cubes. If your color is drawn, it means that you've... You've been attacked by whatever evil force is mm-hmm. currently lurking in the backgrounds, and you have a limited amount of HP in this game. So you move one of those cubes onto your life track, and once you hit 10 or whatever, you're dead. You lose. Good day, sir. With this game, you're moving through, you're doing all that stuff, and you've still got the Market Row deck going on. When we say Market Row, we mean we have a fat stack of cards of everything. So many cards. Lots of cards. Beautifully sleeved cards, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, which is not a feature of Clang. It's a feature of Joel's obsession with deck builders. If buying the, the fanciest sleeves possible, which are? I don't know why you're pointing at me. I, I believe I mentioned that I'm wearing seven-year-old shoes today. <laughs> I do want to mention that the day after we played, uh, Curtis said that he was going to drive up to the dragon and get dragon shields. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, you're not going to pay $14 a box, oh, are you? <laughs> So Dragon Shields is the answer, Mark, that we were okay. looking for. Good to know for all those cards that I have. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they are very, they're pricey, but when you feel them. Also, I'll mention that I've had my copy of DC Deck Building 2 for f- almost six years now. Dragon Shields. And I have never replaced a shield. Yeah. 
Well, one of those, going back to Dominion for a second, is people used to talk about, oh, sleeving Dominion uh, cards. And it was almost a gimmick because there's so many bloody cards there that your hands are all just, like, cramped. And you've mm -hmm. gone through all these penny sheets. But it's like, the game is so inexpensive. Just <laughs> if you're playing it that much that your cards are getting destroyed, yeah. then good for you. Anyway, back to Clank. So you go through and you have the market row. And it's another case of you play every card in your hand. And you... Um, have the option to purchase more cards. You have the option to move through the the maze that is out there. There are obstacles in the way. You can fight monsters. Sometimes you're required to, in order to get through certain spots, you have to write, have the right card or you have to fight your way through or you just walk through and take some damage. Big deal. Um, what was, Big deal. What was immediately struck me, and I think everyone was on the same page, is that, okay, there are a million cards. That's great. Some of these cards are outstanding. How do I get rid of the bad cards in my deck? And as far as I can tell, I bought a card that I used once, yep. and I got rid of one card and still had a fat stack of cards that are absolutely worthless. And in a game where you have to move, and you have to have certain things in your deck in order to perform actions in the way that you want them to, it was, it was extremely painful. And by the end there, yeah. I was just I was tearing my hair out. Well, not to mention that there's specific cards in your deck that you that actually kill you they're yeah. constantly they're called stumble you play it and you cause noise mm. and so every time you play it which you're forced <laughs> to play um you're moving yourself towards death so if you were able to purge which is one of the one of the holiest elements of deck building because <laughs> deck building is a genre that i absolutely love purge is my favorite part of you deck building. You get rid building. of the bad cards. And Jack yeah. was looking for it hard, and it just wasn't there. Which was so crazy, because when you have a deck that big, and it's all random, giant deck, and you got to get rid of that stuff, yeah. but there's no option to do it, which just struck me as so weird, because it's such a fundamental oversight. And I'm trying to figure out... Did, I, I know I played the game wrong, because I was trying to play mm. it around that, but it, when I was thinking about it afterwards, I was like, should I not have been buying cards? Did you, though? Should, Didn't you win the game? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If I, 71 to 70. Oh, okay, by one point. But it doesn't yeah. matter. Like the, If you walk away from a game, it's like, I won. And yeah. you, you're like, hmm, I don't know about that. It's like, yeah. it, But it just felt like it was very, very frustrating experience. I think just adding the option to purge, like even if it was like a, mm. a free one per turn action that anyone can do, it would have just made the game so much tighter than it was. But as yeah. a, it just this very strange mix of everything. And I, I don't like that... Okay, so the key things in, in deck builders, let's say there's purge, attack, defense, card draw. Mm. Um, defense shouldn't also be something you have to go that digging for. I think that Valley of the King yeah. did it perfectly. You start with you the defense start card. with the defense. Mm -hmm. It's the only defense, and you just... It's your it's on you to keep that card. Every now and then you <laughs> see somebody purging, you're like, whoa, no, 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 hold on to that one. Anyway, so that was Clank in Space, and I thought it, it's very pretty, and the sleeves are outstanding. And yep. it was fun to learn it, but in general, I just walked away from it feeling kind of... And it was long, too. Mm. Not not as long as Tyrants of the Underdark from the sound of it, but at the same time, it was kind of like... It's not a game that you, you set up, and it's like, okay, yeah. let's do a quick game of Clank in Space, maybe. And well, it's, I think it's Tuscany to Viticulture and length, like, <clears throat> just kind of drawing it out. Mm -hmm. All right. Um... The one I'll contribute as far as uh, games I've been playing recently that I think this is going to get one of the strongest endorsements for computer games that I've given in a long time. Uh, it's uh, Yuka's Postal Delivery <laughs> game. Yuka's. It's a little PC game developed by an independent company. It is the most heartwarming, adorable, cute and Who are you and what have you done game. with Jack? <laughs> it, it was, it, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm used to seeing yeah, zombies, their heads peeling apart, and I'm going, this looks awesome. Yeah. I'm used to, where's the depression? Where's the darkness? Instead, you have a colorful, beautiful tropical island. You, pay, you play as uh, what appears to be a little dung beetle of sort, and you're rolling this ball around the island. It's a 2D game, and you go into these sections where it's, it's pinball-based. So all of a sudden, you go into these sections, and you, you're using your controller, hopefully, and uh, right trigger and left trigger do the different paddles, different colors, and you're boop, bouncing your character all around, collecting fruit that you go and buy things with, and you're being sent to deliver mail to different houses, <laughs> and there's a story where there's the god of the island has been injured by the god slayer, which is there's some weird dark themes kind of going mm. around behind the scene. But anyway... 
and you're trying to uh, basically rouse the or get the troops together so you can perform the sauna healing on the the, the oh, god of the you're island. Singing a song. All the sections are adorable. You have your you have your icy north part of the island. You have your desert section. You mm-hmm. have your spooky, and I think they even call it the underdark. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> the undergrowth is what they call it technically. But the entire time I'm playing, I've just got. You know those like the 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 fake uh, the anime eyes where it's just yeah. like ooh, doo, 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 doo. it's absolutely adorable. You, <laughs> I cannot explain how cute and fun this game is. Jack's heart grew three times. Yeah, it was I was like the Grinch, and <laughs> every time something happens, it's just absolutely adorable. And your character just always has this perfect smile on his face as you're pushing this ball around, and people are making fun of you too. It's like, what are you a dun beetle? Get out of here! <laughs> it sounds a bit like the first time I played Stardew Valley. I'm like, ah, I mean, like I played Harvest Moon when I was a kid, but I'm an adult. I'm a man. And then, like next thing I know, I've been playing for eight hours, like, <laughs> meticulously tra- choosing where to plant my crops and planning. And like, okay, what? Okay, well, well, Shane likes beer, and Alex likes pizza, and. If I go there on the third of spring, I get the special heart event. And I've got a date with so and so. Yeah, I gotta go get the mermaid pendant. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's certain certain games that are cozy. Stardew Valley is definitely one of them. As you go through the seasons, mm-hmm. seasons change, and then you have like the dungeon crawling aspect. Yeah, as the well. dungeon crawling aspect I think is probably one of my favorite little bits they threw in because Rune Factory, I guess, yeah. was the first game that tried to combine the two and it went very poorly. Um, but Stardew does it pretty well, which I like. Has the multiplayer version of it come out to the console yet? Not to the, not to the PS4 at the very least, but it's out on PC and Switch and maybe Xbox. So so the PS4 is the only one that doesn't have the multiplayer. Yeah. That's weird. Quick bonus game that me and Mark got to try. Okay. Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Ultimate. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Something else. Do you have a Switch? Uh, no, but we were over at Alex's place. Oh. He's a Nintendo boy. Uh, and an anime <laughs> boy. Surprise, surprise. Um, so I don't much care for Nintendo. Um, yeah. It's too anime for me. And like like the new Smash, it's uh, just like every other Smash, Smash Bros. game that's ever come out. Uh, heavy on the characters. items, eh? Really heavy on the items. You gotta was turn that down mode. a bit. Yeah. yeah. It was um, like you can summon an ally, which basically is just another character, but he's playing on your side. Were they good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they last, like, a minute. Yeah, so, like, I think when they first introduced those, it was just you throw it, they do a thing and disappear. But now, like, they stick around. Yeah. There's Guile, and he just stands there throwing sonic booms. And if you get too close, he uppercuts you. (laughs) Can you fight them? Yeah, you can fight them and, like, beat them up and stuff. Uh, And there was one that Alucard from Castlevania shows up and does his little, like, um, Synth of the Night moves. That's pretty cool. That was pretty And you can play as Simon and Richter, both from Castlevania. Now, are those actual characters you can pick? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. But they're the exact same characters, near as I can tell. Um, but you get to play in Dracula's, uh, like, throne room from uh, Rondo of Blood. Oh, um, there's no, what is a man? <laughs> sort of it. But. I've, I would play it just with a single player, because that part of it looked kind of cool to me. The idea of, like, because I guess you're, you're traveling around a map, sort of. And yeah. And there's these random encounters. And to me, that's, like, that's a lot of fun. And if you have friends over or someone, the issue is that someone always gets too good at one of these games. It's like <laughs> playing Mario Kart against somebody who's just been yeah. sitting there powering through it. And Smash Bros. is no exception. Well, that was the thing. Joel, when Joel and I played against each other, it was really fun. When we played against Alex, we lost. <laughs> so, <laughs> Were you on a team, or was it just, like, it was, a Just pre-ball? handing the controller around, oh, okay. well, I was kind of hoping for Mario Party, because that's the kind of game where anybody can win. Does he have Mario like, random craziness no. yeah. yeah mario kart's a lot of fun though yeah i like yeah. mario kart i'm a big fan of the kart the switch would be the only console i would consider picking up right now it's seen as like the ps4 is fine whatever i've already got it the xbox you've got a computer you've already got an xbox but the switch it's almost in this wor- unique little world of its own where it's like there's some neat games for it and i think it's got kind of like the oh you got friends coming over like what are you gonna if you have a ps4 what are you gonna load up if you got friends coming exactly. over? exactly have you seen the cartridges are they, are they like the size of uh, SD memory cards? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're adorable, and they apparently taste uh, spicy and bitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, according to Alex, they deliberately made them taste bad so, so the kids would need them. them. And so he tested that by <laughs> licking it. One day. Yeah, was this part of Obviously. his website, a video or something? Something like that. Mm-hmm. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about D and D. Stay tuned. Adele Delisi speaking. Will you accept the collect call from Jack Foley?
CFRU 93.3 FM, what you just heard was Spanish Grease. Spanish Grease by Willy Bobo. Willy Bobo. Billy uh, B. Recommendation from uh, DJ Hines. Yeah. DJ Ketchup is... What uh, about DJ Cool Guy 420. DJ... <laughs> <laughs> we know Vito. it's Steam ID now, so yeah. it's like... Um, really fun song. We were all... We were, I think had the imagination of the, uh, the studio going here. We kind of hashed out uh, the plot of a the introduction to a movie, at least, set in the 80s. Yeah, yeah 80s Miami, big cocaine bust movie. All you need is the intro. Yeah, you just, just go, go from there. there. Um, we've talked about it a bit on the show. We may have played some D&D at some point. We might have. Don't um, remember. It may have been run by someone here um, in the past. I guess we're up to, I guess if there's a, um, a scoreboard, uh, Mark Hines is at two, three, three or two. What do you think? to Joel's one of D&D uh, adventures being run? Uh, three, I think. Because uh, I did... Mm. Trying to think. No, no, we, I've, I've run two campaigns. <clears throat> I did, like, my little homebrew and then this one. And then mm. in between, we did Joel's campaign. Okay, there it goes. Two to one. Two oh, to one. no, I'm losing. <laughs> so that means Joel has to step up now. You know what's crazy about this one, too, is for me it actually went through two entire lifetimes. That's true. That's true, because unfortunately Joel's character died uh his first character at least which i i liked um before we get it too too much into this joel you i think joel figured out his first character really quickly and like oh i can just do this it's one of the things i like about playing games with joel is joel will look like okay (laughs) how do i maximize my turn right min maxing it yeah exactly like when you're when your dc turns take half an hour (laughs) or you know and and in D &D, when you were playing your your uh, battle master, I think the f- that kind of fighter. When it's just all right, so if you come within ten feet of me, I get an attack on you. Yeah. If you attack me and you miss, I get an attack on yeah, you. Repost. <laughs> yeah, repost. <laughs> so it's just great. stacking damage on damage on damage on damage, uh, which is good. And then I, that was one of the things I liked about this campaign. It's over now, uh, which is which is a bummer. Um, 
but I think everybody kind of found their niche eventually, even even Curtis with his ranger. Uh, if you're not a Dungeons & Dragons person and you're thinking of trying Dungeons & Dragons, don't be a ranger. They suck. Um, <laughs> Wizards has released, I think, three different variations on rangers to try to make them better, and none of them <laughs> oh have worked. God. Uh, everything a ranger can do, another class can do better. He still points out that he did do zero damage to the end boss. That's true, that's true. We had that big dragon that you fought at the end, and he didn't hit it once. <laughs> no, to be fair, that was some poor dice rolls, too. But yeah, at the same time, it's like, for a little bit there, and it was funny because around Christmas time, I was talking to some friends, and they had started up a D&D campaign, and the one guy was like, oh, I'm, I'm a ranger. And I just... Uh, <laughs> it's one of those moments where I, I did say, it's like... I hope you have fun. Mm-hmm. Our uh, The ranger in our party has had a very uh, tough go of it. And it depends what you're looking to get out of your little experience here. Yeah. So, Well, I think part of the problem that I find with 5th with edition, before we start talking about this adventure specifically, okay. is that they try to fix some things that were wrong with 3.5 and 4. Look, for example? Like in 3.5, spellcasters were broken. Like if, too like, good? Uh, too good. Like once you, you your higher level spells, uh, you could just, just blast. But the problem is once you used all your spells <clears> for the day, you were done and you were useless. Um, five fixed that by making... So basically, five fixed certain classes being broken by trying to make every class be broken. <laughs> so, for example, uh, our barbarian in the party yeah. figured out that he could just grapple everybody and then just basically incapacitate everything we came across, uh, which I enjoyed. Uh, Jack played a barbarian very well. Um, the other thing that the, they changed how skills work used to be have to put, dump ranks into skills and now you just, you're either good at it or you're not. That so seemed like an unnecessary sort of like real, maybe the grognards would be upset about not being able to put points into something like that. But mm-hmm. it, it's like, that's, to me, that's a good streamline of just like, yes, no. Yeah, are exactly. You, and then use... like, so bards and rogues used to just get a bunch of skill points. Now they get the trait expertise where they yeah. just get to double their proficiency. So, um, it just makes it easier. One of the five is probably the most accessible version of uh, Dungeons and Dragons I've ever For played. For better or worse. Eh? For better or worse, yeah. Which, I, I mean, it's kind of blown up, too. I think I'm seeing a lot more of it in popular culture as far mm-hmm. as people actually playing D&D. Now, has D&D, though, been usurped? Because is, is D&D the baby's first game and Pathfinder is where all the the hardcore guys are lurking these days. I have some very strong opinions about Pathfinder and I think I can sum it up by being Pathfinder is if you like D&D but also like doing math (laughs) Um, and take and have more fun making your character and coming up with all the stupid things your character can do. Yeah. Uh, A co-worker of mine was telling me about his character. He's like, oh, I'm an alchemist so I make like potions Uh, and bombs and yada 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 and I can do all of this thing. I'm like, cool. We have a fighter who kills stuff. Um, and like, I like, yeah, I like the role playing bit. I like, I, I like it. it when people identify with their characters, which I feel like a lot of our players did, mm-hmm. but it gets to the point where, you know, oh, I have like, you know, 16. The other thing with Pathfinder is very modular and you can make, you can add things into it very easily. So there's rules for firearms, there's rules for explosives and it's fantasy for me. Like that's, that's not what it is. Other than, like, the gif that I think we've talked about, the space hippos that all have guns. Yeah. Like that, okay, there's a reason why they're different, because they're from another planet or right, whatever. Right, um, But Pathfinder, I find, is is it's very much, it rejects sort of the simplicity that 5 went for. Because uh, they started to do it with 4. Like, 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons is a little too simple. Um, Maybe that's why, like, no one's ever heard of 4. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> it it's 3.5, like 5e. Which, what's, what's the E in 5E? Edition. Edition. Oh. Seems a little unnecessary to put that E in there. It's like, what, what else are we talking about? But, yeah. All right, so we've got it. We've got a bit of the Pathfinder rant out of the way. I wouldn't even call it a rant. It was just a well-formed breakdown yeah. by someone who does not appreciate it. It was an opposing view from a friend of the show, Seth. And seeing as I've never played the uh, Pathfinder, I have nothing to say on this. I just know it's a, it's fairly popular. It's enough that yeah. it's like, it's either... It's a bit more like 3.5. Yeah. Like, if, if you if you don't like how... Basically, if you don't like the fact that D&D is now accessible and easy to understand, yeah. you can play Pathfinder. Which is interesting, because before we get into the meat and potatoes of the, the, the adventure we just did, um, Griffcon is coming up in... April. In April. And... 5th to 7th. The Pathfinder is really the... It seems like it's the bread and butter of Griffcon. And Does, we yeah. went to the Griffcon... Uh, what was it? Griffcon Shadow. Shadow, the, the one in the... In December, was it? Or November? Yeah. Late. Anyway, you went in there, and there was this whole room, uh, like a kind of a conference room, and it was just filled with these round tables, and everyone was playing Pathfinder. And it's such, it such a strange thing for me to see, and especially because a lot of these kids were really young, too. And it didn't strike me as the type of group that I would expect to see 
playing Pathfinder, but I don't know anything about it, and I'm not sure how it gets popular, or is it because your big brother likes it, and then you start to play it? And yeah, just... so I think so. Well, anyway. What gets me about Pathfinder at Griffcon, and I've already said this to you, Jack, but the people that are playing Pathfinder at Griffcon know how to play Pathfinder and are definitely weekly playing Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. So why go to a convention and play it there? Yeah. It's, yeah maybe just a different venue because because i think i mentioned too it's the same thing could be said for bringing a board game to a convention too it's like you 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 play the board game at home you play with your friends at home so maybe ideally like the issue is that so maybe you bring a board game or something there and you like put up your flag it's like who wants to play this with me and you get a bunch of strangers playing it would you be doing a pathfinder campaign and be like i've never played pathfinder before come on in i'll teach you how to play and we can have a i think you can do that with like one-off dungeons like uh, fifth edition has like when they have they have the starter set that you can buy Mm -hmm. and we were talking about having to dump money into wizards and i was going to rant about that too (laughs) because uh because what's one of the problems i had with the adventure we did was they're like oh if you want more information buy this other book that's also 70 (laughs) dollars um but like the the starter set comes with player's handbook um I think the Dungeon Master's Guide, and then a couple characters and, a, like, a quick little dungeon to do. And I think it's very easy to just, like, again, with 5th fifth fifth edition being so simple, you can just, all right, cool, we have this, like, five-room dungeon. Here's what your characters do. Pick the one you think is cool, yeah. and then we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, you could do that with Pathfinder, I suppose, but I, th- I find that because Pathfinder has all that extra math and customization to it, it's... Yeah. All right, so let's get into it then. Okay, so we did Storm King's Thunder. Uh, which I believe was the third adventure released by Wizards for 5th edition. Uh, the first two were the, the, the Tyranny of Dragons plotline. So one of the things I liked about it is that it's uh, it's a little less traditional. The, the Giants plotlines, um, like Giants are like usually will show up in Dungeons & Dragons adventures, but they're never the main guys. Um, it adds a lot, like it's got a nice story. It links in with the other adventures too, if you want. Um, I liked that it gave you sort of... St- parts of it like we started out in that one time in uh, daggerford or whatever and it was just sort of my session zero here's everybody who remember how to play dungeons and dragons and then you start out okay your very first night dm comes up with a reason for you to go to nightstone and you do that adventure and you get up to speed and then from there we'll get into the real one so from they do the the nightstone adventure you get up to level three you save the you save the townsfolk and then you find out that the drag uh, the Sorry, not the dragons. Uh, the giants are, you know, messing up everybody's business, so you got to go stop them. Uh, and then from there, it opens up a lot, uh, which I really liked. But I think there's this, it's one of the pitfalls with having such an open world, is that there were a lot of the times where we would get somewhere, and as a DM, we'd be like, okay, and there's a paragraph. There's nothing interesting at this town. Mm. <laughs> um, and all, all, and I found a lot of the time that the party be like, okay, cool, is there, like, a shop I can do? And I'm like, sure, why not? And I go on to, like, uh, the internet and find a random shop generator and just make it. Um, so it was an it was an open world, but without anything flushed out. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Well, they they, they follow. They pick. They pick and yeah, it was a lot like follow. They picked and chosed where or picked and chose. Uh, <laughs> no, I like choose. Yeah, <laughs> where they would actually flesh things out. So one of the the things I was talking about having to buy another book when we went to Waterdeep because we had all played Lords of Waterdeep. I'm like, oh, that yeah, would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So there's like a little paragraph, and then at the end, he's like, oh, if you want more, buy the Storm Coast Adventurer Guide. Oh. And then we looked it up, and it's just two pages talking about what Waterdeep looks like. There's no map. There's no like here's like big locations i threw in the yawning portal because that's just a dnd like yeah. staple um so that was a little bit annoying and then at times i felt like i had to railroad the party uh because there were a few points where we're like oh let's go off and you know run off and see this character i'm like oh no that character has absolutely nothing <laughs> uh, that was the other thing that. is like in, in, in a story like this where like giants are destroying every town that you approach and that either they've already been there they're there they arrive when you're there or, you know, like, as soon as you're you're about to leave, you hear about them down the road or something. Uh, it doesn't really feel like an open-world adventure where you're just like, huh, what, what should we do? It's more like, we need to solve this massive problem, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I found is it sort of had this accordion effect where, like, there were points where I had to railroad you to get to the next plot point. And, and I think early on it does it pretty well. It's, um, like, because after we did the Golden Fields, the, like, big city that you defended with all the farms mm-hmm. so it gets attacked by hill giants and the party has to fight off the hill giants 
Uh, part of the problem there is that there's there's a couple of these little set pieces like that, like with the, the giant search strongholds that we did as well, where it's like, okay, cool, 40 goblins show up. I'm like, well, that's going to take three hours for us to get through. <laughs> We're not going to do that. There's 10 goblins, and I'll throw in a couple hobgoblins for difficulty. Uh-huh. Um, another thing that I've mentioned to Joel is very clear the, the adventure is designed for four characters. Mm-hmm. So like a four, like a cleric, fighter, ranger, sorcerer, or wizard, or something yeah, like yeah. that. We had a pretty good mix like, we had our barbarian and fighter at the start for, for damage. We had our uh, cleric, who ended up just basically being an offensive magic guy. <laughs> and we had two spellcasters and a ranger. Yeah. Um, and then later on, the fighter got swapped out for a druid. But, there, like, almost every encounter felt like it was way too easy. Yeah. Or you'd come up against a uh, like when you first fought the dragon we're like okay anything this dragon does is going to kill everybody yeah yeah like this isn't difficult this is just mean yeah so i think that it's hard to balance the difficulty in it now was that because of how many players we had though or do you think that was the flaw in the book that the book didn't scale properly or didn't acknowledge the fact that maybe some of the stuff isn't i think part of it is is the six characters because there was uh i think it was a golden fields you all got a character to play as well right oh, that's like right yeah, extra yeah. npc and we did that at the in the final battle as well and in both of those, it gives you four characters to start with. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, if you need to, there's these two afterthought characters you can throw in as well. Yeah. So I think I would have enjoyed it more if that had been a little bit more taken into consideration. And there's also a few other little silly things. Like you get a cool airship about halfway through the adventure. Mm-hmm. And then later on, when you like sort of get to the next big plot point, you basically, the DM rolls the dice to see if you get to keep it. And that felt a little unfair. It's weird that there would even be a dice roll, like as opposed to like just write it yes or no. Like, do yeah. you want the characters to be able to use this ship, or do you say no? It's attacked by the dragon, and that's the end of the airship. And, and there is like a fair amount of dungeon master agency in it, which I like. You're like, or if you want to, you can just give it to them. Like, no, like I'll go along with it. We'll see yeah. how this goes. Uh, but I think if I ran it again, you would just keep the keep the keep airship. Keep the ship. Because there are a few points where you guys were arguing about what to do, and I'm like, ah, but we just go to do the next thing. <laughs> and then, you, oh, look, you get there, and it takes however long it takes to get there, because yeah. I don't want to roll a million random encounters. Yeah. As the, like, um, sky castle you're floating in <laughs> takes three weeks to get to the other side of the map. Yeah, I can remember the difference. There was a huge difference between, like, early in the game when we left Waterdeep and we were heading north, and it was, like, took us, like, three encounters to get uh, a certain section of road done mm-hmm. and then once we reached the top something happened and from then on we were basically we had like blink power yeah just you got the airship basically that's what happened like we were taking um so it it writes in a bunch of different ways that you can get vehicles and things like that like if you go to a certain town you get flying mounts if you you know uh you guys ended up befriending a caravan master the little halfling that had a had a caravan so you took that up but i think there's certain, uh, it's, it can't decide what, how much power it wants to give the DM. Mm. And I think that's one of the downsides to it. It's a, it's a fun, well-written adventure. It's an interesting, like, sort of story. But I think it needs, it, you can't decide how much of it is up to the DM. Mm. So here's another question, then. Because you've done enough dungeon mastering and D&D that you are, uh, would you call yourself a veteran? Sure. How? Seasoned. I'm seasoned. seasoned. I'm a seasoned adventurer. <laughs> <laughs> Montreal Steaks Place? Exactly. Anyway, is it something that you would recommend to someone who is starting off with D&D because it takes a lot of the, the initial sort of maybe difficulties in coming up with an adventure? Or do you think it is um, only something that perhaps someone who wants, who knows what they're doing and maybe wants to have a taste of like the pre-built uh, can provide. I think this is be pretty good for it. Like this is my first time DMing a real adventure. Uh, like I looked at some of the other ones, like some of the, so there's the two that come before this are the, the rise of dragons series, which is uh, horde of the dragon queen and rise of time at, um, which the, is sort of mentioned. You meet a couple characters like the dragons you guys met are in the other books as well. Um, and I think it did pretty well. It, it, it felt very comfortable as a DM for the first few sessions. And then we got to the bit where the map opened up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I can figure out what's going to happen at each of these cities as they move towards this. But once they hit this, what do I do in the meantime? Yeah. Um, it's It's got enough encounter tables that you can keep things kind of fresh. 
Uh, but one of the things I found, and I think we ran into this when we were heading to one of the temples, you ran into the same storm giant twice because that's what the encounter <laughs> table gave me. And he didn't fight you because each time you're like, oh, hello. And the, the ranger's like, hey, what's your name? And the, he says, be gone. And the ranger says, that's a weird name. <laughs> and then I just decided that you met him again later on. It's it's one of the things that I found in, with with DMing is that if you have NPCs, you have to make them memorable. Mm-hmm. Um so like uh, giving them like a, a funny voice, yeah. which I like to do, um, even though the cleric kept saying they all had the same voice. I disagree. <laughs> uh, there's just subtle differences. Uh, um, and giving them like a theme song. Right? Guess yeah. you're still the amazing. Yeah, you're my Stella the amazing. <laughs> and like throwing on Hawk and a Hacksaw, the like Balkan party music oh, in the background yeah, every yeah. time he showed up. Um, and like there was a certain character. Like and another thing that I found was that it expects the players to know a bit more of the lore. That's what I was going to say, is that there was... In, it was maybe it's just difficulty. of like, we're all semi-busy people, and mm-hmm. it's tough to maybe keep D&D in the back of our heads the entire time. But was it kind of frustrating that every time you started an adventure, you'd be like, uh, previously on D&D, and you had to do this like rundown, because like a lot of this stuff isn't... I, I'm not saying it's unmemorable, but it's kind of tough to remember what or where we're going like everyone mm-hmm. I think everyone was on the same page it was like okay fighting giants we're trying to get these artifacts we're trying to do this but it was the other parts it's like where are we going or who, yeah. what's this person's or like there's, there's like clues you're supposed so one of the problems that it has is, is the villain Imrith um, she's supposed to be introduced relatively early on and the party is just supposed to remember this little fact oh blah 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 blue hair giant is bad okay um, and like <laughs> I can't I remember that at all yeah exactly uh, <laughs> um, so like when we ran into it I ended up messaging so I did I can't remember at one point I basically like gave you all like a little like your this is what your character knows yeah. little thing uh, because your character was the barbarian from the mountains he just didn't remember very much <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, I remember when, when we ran into Imrith again, it's supposed to be the reveal where the party's supposed to figure out what she's been doing. I had to, like, message the person who was supposed to know it and be like, hey, remember, remember this? Like, scroll like scroll up at past three months of adventuring, <laughs> take the text and send it to them again. Uh, so who I think was it? It, uh, it was Alex. Oh, yeah. Um, who met, met a fitting end. I, I'm really glad <laughs> that our, we took our warlock who kept nuking the party by, by quote-unquote accident, and we just sent him to hell because uh, he had to leave the final encounter early. Um, I, I think Alex may have done more damage to us than most of these encounters at the end there. Let's, yeah. let's do a roll call of our characters. So we had Gorgak, the Goliath Barbarian. Goliaths are like mountain men, not quite <coughs> half giants, but they're like eight feet tall. Mm. Uh, and that was uh, played by our friend Jack here. Uh, my favorite thing about Gorgak was ha- in almost every town, he would intimidate his way into becoming captain of the guard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think you rolled a nat 20 on understanding how... Uh, uh, no, the nat 20 on trying to understand how airships work. Yeah. So it would just... Yeah, you understand it, but Gorgak being a barbarian is illiterate <laughs> and just draws pictures <laughs> and can't actually explain how lift works and all of that. Uh, Joel... Just gets it. Played originally a uh, like noble racist uh, uh, fighter who, who was a human supremacist, yeah. and I don't think there were a lot of uh, wet eyes when he died. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't even that he was like xenophobic or whatever. It was just like he was like actively xenophobic. <laughs> he was trying to murder. I love him. killing elves. <laughs> 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 we found that the we what well, I like because almost every Dungeons and Dragons campaign has that morality argument at one point when that you run into the goblin children, <laughs> and the fighter's like, "Yeah, kill them all. They're just gonna grow up to be baby Hitlers." Um, and then the cleric has to be like, "Well, no." And I'm like, "Actually, as a cleric, you understand that they are fundamentally evil creatures, so you're actually siding with the racist guy." <laughs> uh, so speaking of a cleric, we had Stefan as Baylor, our dwarven cleric. Uh, he played a cleric well. He healed people. Um, he wore a crap load of armor. And he had some, I think that was before, just uh, something to add about clerics, is that didn't he not understand how healing worked for a, a good chunk of the game? Like, he was either under healing or forgetting a spell entirely or something could be He, it was, it was the fact that you can trade out any spell for a healing spell. That's it. That was what he was forgetting. So he would keep preparing healing spells and like, you don't need to do that. Oh, okay. Well, that was once we got him to remember what preparing spells was. Um, <laughs> the other thing with Dungeons and Dragons, if you're going to play a spellcaster for the first time, be a sorcerer. <laughs> um, sorcerers just have a list of spells they know and they can cast a certain number every day. Wizards, clerics, uh, druids. and druids have to pick each day or each time they rest. These are the spells that I'm going to cast today. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so our wizard, uh, Speculus, um, was pretty good at that. She, like, made her own spell book, which I liked. I thought that was a cool little note. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, she had a lot of fun. And I, I, I did like that there's a lot of the time Speculus was the voice of reason, or for frig's sakes, let's just advance the plot. Um, I think there's one bit where we're in the cloud castle, and there's the, the dragon that's chained up, and everyone's picking fights with the cloud giants, and the wizard just goes off, frees the dragon. Oh, hey, look at that. Um, <laughs> that was nice. So who else do we have? We have our Warlock, Alex, who we mentioned. Uh, Warlocks are a little bit like wizards, uh, only that they don't get as many spells. They don't get levels of spells. They just basically always max maximize what spells uh, they use. They make, basically make a pact with the devil or something like that. Um, he, I think he got he got very into his character, but I think one of the things that he had to keep in mind was party dynamic. You shouldn't be working actively against your party or trying to hurt them, mm, yeah. or at least... Make an effort not to hit them with splash damage. But it's tough, though, and this gets into kind of the, the meta around D&D and then that if you're playing a character that's supposedly evil or something along those lines, like, maybe they don't care as much about that, but yeah. at the same time, it's like, the party cares, and yeah. you end up like, all right, I'm, why would I tolerate this character? I saw a good uh, post on Reddit, which is a rare thing, um, <laughs> and oh. it was like, remember, like, not only are you making, so there's a couple sort of mistakes that, that uh, maybe not mistakes, but mistakes that players make uh, when they're making characters. They, they You have to remember, one thing, you're an adventurer. Yeah. You're not a baker who, by happenstance, ends up becoming the chosen one. It's not that kind of game you are someone who has gone through training you're some, there's something special about you that's why you're going to fight all these okay. these monsters and the other thing is you have to remember you're a member of a party hmm. it's not like a lot of the time like with video games you're a single player you're you know that's why you can be evil or good yeah like the plot of storm king's thunder is that you are a bunch of good people who want to stop the giants from destroying the townsfolk and right. stuff like that um so like we we were able to come up with their own ideas for why each character was doing it but i think one of the things that Alex left out was picking, okay, why am I teaming up with all these jabronis? Mm. Um, and then finally, before we forget them, because sometimes this happens, sorry, rangers, uh, <laughs> Curtis <laughs> played Osril, our ranger, and his useless animals, uh, I really liked, he got a, he had like a wolf for a really long time, uh, and then he, the wolf died, and so he got a goat, and the very next combat round, melted the goat the got goat. melted. <laughs> Uh, by, and I summoned four goats. Yeah, and the druid. Because <laughs> yeah, so Joel had two characters, by the way. Yeah, uh, Joel ended up being being a druid later on after we killed uh, the fighter, uh, Chami or uh, Tommy Chong <laughs> Chami Chong. Um, but yeah, so that was it. Was a good party. I think. Uh, I think one of the things, if we do play again, which I hope we do, I like playing with this group. I would like to be a player again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably won't roll my um, fortune favors the bold kind of bard any again. <laughs> where uh, anytime we were walking down a dark hallway, I throw a rock <laughs> into the darkness. <laughs> All right, and combat starts. All right. See, but here's the thing: is that your bard was really useful because in D and D, everybody just wants to do damage. Yeah, it feels good to do damage. It feels good to kill enemies. Your and guy didn't do damage, but mm-hmm. he did all of the other things that are necessary but nobody wants to do. Yeah, so like I had the high charisma so I could talk to NPCs, I had buffs, I had debuffs. So that's one of the one of the other things that I think our party our party is very focused on damage and then healing the people who do damage. We didn't do as much like status effecty like uh, blind like one of the reasons that uh, the final boss was so easy for you guys I think is because Chami our druid played by Joel just blinded it at the start of the encounter <laughs> and it couldn't do anything and I'm like, "Oh, well, you up so dragons and certain other creatures get legendary actions where they basically just get to say no that doesn't affect me yeah. uh, and she had used all of hers up and Joel yeah. blinded her <laughs> also I think there was some, there was something to do with fear with dragons yeah they're supposed and to they're supposed so like, to um, and like they have a fearful presence but I, I gave us that legendary delicious meal yes. which was a level five spell by the way mm-hmm. hey and, it paid uh, for itself. yeah and it made us immune to fear yeah <laughs> your bellies are so full that you're just like, well that and you time. we also had a bunch of npc fighters coming like, oh we want like it's a it's a nice idea you want to have all these npcs that you've met over the campaign come yeah, and yeah. help you beat uh, this big dragon it's cool but Either the party alone or the NPCs alone could like stomp this dragon into oblivion. Uh, they picked one of the weaker dragons to make the make the villain, which I get. Like it's there's other dragons, so it's a blue dragon as opposed to like the red dragon, which are the most evil ones. Um, you sort of have mention a red dragon mentioned, but he never shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you run into a green dragon, and green dragons don't really want to bother anybody. They just want their secrets um, and all that, and they live alone <laughs> in the woods. In the woods. But the blue dragon's supposed to like be a bit more manipulative and all that. But 
don't know, there wasn't enough written to give flesh that character out, I think, and that's one of the things. But again, I did like the adventure. I liked running it. I hope you guys had fun playing it. Yeah, absolutely. Give Storm King's Thunder a go. Yeah. I wonder where we're going to go from here, though. Give Is D&D this, a go. Because D&D, I think, everyone was at the same, like, we were happy to be done, not because, like, nobody's having a bad time, or everyone's having a bad time, you but just, because you need it was a break. like, <laughs> this was, like, when did we start? We started in March 2018. It went so long. Our last, our last encounter was uh, the 30th of December. So a lot of content. Almost the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the year, a couple events coming up. Did you have something last to say about D&D before I... uh, No, I'm just looking forward to seeing where it comes, and I'd like to do smaller one... Not one-offs, but shorter ones. Yeah, so I think that's our our plan, is to do smaller little one-off dungeons. Got a bit of news. So, GriffCon's coming up April 5th to 7th. Go on the website to sign up. We got Spiel DR in May. Gen Con, which I've signed up for, Jack, in August 1st to 4th. And then obviously Spiel in October. There's going to be some interesting stuff coming out this year. And Joel will be there. Oh yeah, on site. Promoting modern civilization. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say anything. I'm Jack. I'm Mark. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening.